Welcome to Continual Gift of Self, the podcast of talks, fervorinos, and homilies from Loper Catholic and the St. Teresa of Calcutta Newman Center. You can learn more about St. Teresa's and the Lord's work on the college campuses in Kearney, Nebraska by connecting with us on our website, lopercatholic.org, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages with the handle at Loper Catholic. Now, enjoy this installment of Continual Gift of Self, and please pray for us. God bless. celebrate uh, the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, there's, if you recall, 34 Sundays in Ordinary Time, and so we're getting very close. Um, Advent's a few short Sundays away. And so as we end our time of growing in discipleship and learning what that is, we're, we encounter the end of the Gospel, Matthew. We also encounter the four last things. The four last things. And so today, we'll reflect on those and begin to unpack those four last things um, in our own life uh, as we prepare for the end of this liturgical year and the, the Advent, the coming of Christ. So we'll base our reflections this morning on these last couple lines in the gospel. The greatest among you should be your servants. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The four last things, these are some, this is something that Catholics, they're one of those things that we should be able to just rattle off. Somebody walks up and says to you, what are the four last things? It's five-word response. Death and judgment, hell, purgatory, heaven. Those are the four last things. And so we should be able to rattle those off. Um, no problem. Why? Because it's, number one, it's easy. But number two... They should be ever on our mind. We never know. And so today's topic is the first bless you of those, death and judgment. That should always be on our mind. It's always someone else till it's me. But not one human being, even Adam and Eve, has ever escaped death. And that includes the God-man. No one's ever escaped that. It's part of fallen, of the fallen world. No matter how many billions and trillions of dollars we spend to try to prevent death, decay, it eventually comes for everyone. And it's not, we don't have to be somber um, and graven in that insofar as death has already happened for all who are baptized. We already passed through we died to ourself and rose with Christ in the waters of baptism. It doesn't have power over us who believe. Who've been given the faith in baptism, that supernatural gift. Who have ro- risen with Christ. Death doesn't have power over us. But at the same time, it should always be on our minds. We just never know. And we never want to play with fire in terms of our own death and our own mortality. So death comes for everyone. And it's something we all have to pass through. No one escapes. So what happens upon our own death? 
That's death slash judgment. So there's two types of judgment that we face. First is our particular judgment. That happens in the immediacy following our own death. Death is the separation of the body and soul. That's why it's painful. Those two things that are meant and designed to be united together perfectly, our body and soul, are torn apart. So it's painful. It's painful for us, personally, <laughs> but also for when we watch and, and, and encounter the death of a loved one. And there's pain in that. But the minute the soul separates from the body, the body doesn't have the anima, the soul. It doesn't, it's not active anymore. But the soul is. It's the soul is eternal. Or immortal, I guess. The soul lives on forever. When our soul encounters Christ, and once we encounter Christ, we see him with unveiled eyes, how he is, and our entire life is before us. Everything that we've ever done or thought or said is right in front of us. Everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. And it's right there. And Jesus has us make an account of everything that we've done, said, and thought. Terrifying thought, isn't it? <laughs> I've had some pretty dumb thoughts in my life. I don't ever care to see them again, but I will. And if we've followed his commandments, we love him, we've pursued God in our life, and we've given everything we had. We continue to try to grow in our life, to die to this world, to come into a fullness of who we were made to be. And, we're, and we die not in the, in the state of grace, so not in mortal sin. Then we'll be welcomed into eternal life with God, communion with God. And we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, which is purgatory in heaven. Or, yeah, purgatory in heaven. We enter into that relationship. It's what our heart is designed for and what it seeks to get to return to is full communion with God, eternal communion with God. If we die in a state of mortal sin, if we die through a, a series of our own choices, We've cho chosen lesser goods or even evil things over God. Then we go into a state of eternal separation from God, which is called hell. And that's the judgment. And it's the justice of God. If we freely choose to separate ourselves from God, then our reward is eternal separation from God. If we choose to follow God, to grow towards him, then eternal communion, relationship, heaven. That's, that's particular judgment upon our death. We also believe and profess, and we'll say it in just a few minutes, in our creed, the resurrection of the body. And that's general judgment. When Jesus comes again in the earth, everything disappears. It doesn't disappear, but it, it ends. All human life comes to an end. In that moment, Jesus comes on the clouds of heaven. 
there's a general judgment. All the bodies of everyone that's ever lived will rise. Don't get too trapped. You can have some fun mind games with that and what that looks like. His bodies have been disintegrated and things scattered everywhere. So you can have some fun mind games with that. doesn't matter. Like that body comes back together and rises. So it reanimates the soul and the body are put back together. But in a glorified state for those uh, who are called into heaven. So the body and soul reunite in that final judgment on everything. The final separation. Those in communion with God and those who are in eternal separation from God. And so the souls that are in hell now will get their body back and their torture will magnify because now it's not just soul torture, but it's bodily torture. They have back what they wanted since their death, which is the reunification of body and soul. But it just intensifies their hate and anger, mostly at themselves. And that's the general judgment. Pretty simple concepts. But very kind of terrifying to think about. And we can go down rabbit holes of worry. And that's not the point of reflecting on the four last things. The point of reflecting on the four last things is to wake us up. The world, worldliness, not just the world like in that way, but just worldliness. These lesser goods, our day-to-day life. It gets into this routine, and we, by default, in our fallen human nature, seek comfort. Let me ask you, is it easier to climb Mount Everest or to sit on your couch and watch your favorite television show? And if I gave you two things today, I want you to climb to the top of Mount Everest, or I want you to have eight free hours with no other worries, to just sit on your couch and I'll bring you food. And the bathroom's right there, so you don't have to leave your couch too far. It's private, but you can, you know. Which one would you choose? Got to say, me. It's not hard to imagine which one I would pick. I'm sitting on the couch. (laughs) Because by default, in our fallen human nature, we choose comfort. We choose the status quo of our greatness. In general, people are really afraid of success, not success that glorifies them. Success, you know, if if I have desire for success to be the greatest actor of all time, to be the greatest athlete of all time, to win the Nobel Prize with my intellect, and all the attention's on me, and I get all this status, like, that's attractive, but getting there is not. And the glory that we receive in working hard in our faith is shared between us and God. The world doesn't, in fact, the world mocks those that seek glory in God. So we choose comfort in the status quo. We don't raise the bar. All of us, me included, I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 
So as we begin to reflect on those four last things, it's good to reflect on what, what in my life do I live that's just the status quo, that's just getting up and just going through the routine, just doing the same old thing. Where am I seeking out greatness in my life, especially in regards to my relationship with God? Where am I becoming fully alive and who I'm made to be? That's humility. Seeing who I'm made to be and striving to be that to its fullness. I'm not them, I'm not them, I'm not them, I'm me. And I'm going to be the fullness of who I am. And I'm going to live that to the fullest. And I'm not God for myself or anybody else. That's him. That's humility. Where am I striving to live to the fullness of who God made me to be? And where am I not? What ways am I compromising that? By even desiring to choose the date of my own death playing God in my own life. And that goes for all kinds of things, both the good and the bad. By sin, we choose a date of our own death, abuse ourselves, but even in goodness. St. Ignatius of Loyola took on penances on himself that God never invited him to take on, and it shortened his life. God's got to be God in my life. And I've got to listen to him and follow him. So a couple things quick and then we'll end. A couple things quick. How to, to begin this process. First, the sacrament of reconciliation. We have that. It's a gift from God. In this life, we experience his mercy. In the next we get to encounter the full fullness of his justice. In justice, he gives us mercy now. And it is not like he stops being merciful in the next life. They always come together. But once our soul leaves our body, there's no more confession. That's it. Confession's an absolute gift. It says in the, God, in the readings, you heard it, they said priests multiple times. The priests are failing the people. So number one, any part that I played in that in your life or any priest in your life that's failed you, I'm sorry. You deserve more. And I seek to give you more. Put me to work. I'm ordained for the sacraments, period. That's it. To offer mass and confession and anointing. There's no other purpose. That's why I became a priest. That's why I said yes. Put me to work. There's 1,500 Catholics on campus. If everybody went to confession in the month of November and December, November, December, if I could talk, I would be in there eight hours a day, six days a week if everybody went one time in the next two months. 
put me to work. I don't have anything else to do. If heaven's not more important than all the junk, the other stuff in my life that I do, that I'm not living out the priesthood that I've been entrusted with. So in Advent, look for more increased hours in a confessional that'll be there and available. Once a month is the recommendation from the church. Try and get, go once a month. It's important. Making a good confession, doing a really good examine. There's examines in the back by the door. Actually, like good, go through them. They're really helpful. And then when you come in, to just be efficient in how you confess. Problem is, like, the only time we've ever gone to confession is the one we go. So we don't really get trained. Mortal sin, number and kind. Not tons of detail. It's not helpful for the priest, really. Just number and kind, mortal sins. And then being your sins the best you can remember. Tell God your sins. And if you need advice, if there's a struggle or whatever, you can ask the priest, ask me. Offer a few thoughts. And be helpful. Don't ever hide anything. There's a seal in this confessional. An absolute positive seal. If I reveal anything you ever said, I'm excommunicated from the church in the act. And it doesn't have to be anything formal. If I reveal that you went to confession, excommunicated on the spot in the action. You better believe, if I want to go to heaven, I don't want to be excommunicated. <laughs> Therefore, the conclusion is what? Father's never going to reveal that. And I wouldn't reveal that if they put three guns to my face. They, whoever they is. <laughs> ever I'm not going to reveal that after I die so you can say what you need to say in there don't have to hide anything and trust me right now I'm not saying I've heard every single sin that's ever been committed in the history of mankind I'm not in there to be surprised or not surprised I'm not in there to say like Wow, what a terrible person. Like, if I'm thinking those things, I need to go myself. Say what you need to say. Confess your sins. Don't hold anything back, ever. Don't hide anything. It's not worth it. Sacrament of confession. So important in our life. And we'll make it available, trust me. If I have to sit in there all night, I will. Second thing, our technology is a good thing. We can't, to think in today's day and age that we can just go completely tech-free is kind of dumb. That would mean every single human being on the planet would have to get rid of it. And, and yeah, there's lots of bad stuff, stuff, stuff stuff it opens up to things that trap us that entrap us and we become enslaved to it 
can't put it down. Yes, this is all true. So we need to be temperate. It's called virtue. Can I have temperance? I utilize it for what it is, a tool, and then that's it. It would be insane to tell a farmer back when they started hooking oxes to plows that that's evil. It's technology. And the farmer's lazy. Like he, he doesn't work as hard because the ox is doing it. Are you going to go back and tell him not to use the ox to plow the field? Books are technology. Would you rather read on papyrus or write down on papyrus? I mean, books are technology. We want to go back to cave drawings to get our information. That's also technology, by the way. <laughs> it's type of communication. It's, it's the development. God gave us the gifts in the human person. Like, it's not evil in and of itself. But it can lead us into evil when we become attached to it. And because it is such an attachment, it's good to to pray and ask the Lord to bless and protect the technology that we've been given, whatever it is. Books, phones, television, cars, any of it. So I'm going to say a quick prayer over everyone's technology. So like this week, if you have your phone with you, great. Um, if you don't, great, even better. I do. Mine's sitting right here because I need it for the prayer. <laughs> Mostly. Also, I'm attached. But just sometime this week, take holy water when you bless yourself. Just take a little on your fingers and just trace a cross on your phone. That'll be in conjunction with this prayer. And so you don't have to have it with you. God's blessing doesn't, it's not like limited. It's like when you get stuff blessed by the Pope. Do I have to take it out of my bag? I think the blessing can go through some fabric. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> if, if the Pope's saying I'll bless all your family and friends all around the world all you have to do is think about them I think the blessing can go through a bag so you don't have to pull your phones out you don't even have to have it with you this blessing extends to that Okay. so we pray Lord Jesus Christ sovereign king enthroned in heaven in your love and mercy establish a perimeter of protection with your precious blood around our communication devices and all technology used during this this session, um, any cameras, webcams, microphones, speakers, displays, and any other software, Wi-Fi connections in the air, the routers uh, routers of all who are present here, and anyone uh, who assists them, the optic cables involved in the transmission of data, the light waves being used to transfer data, cleanse them with your pre precious blood and drive from them any satanic influence. Establish around them a sanctuary of your mercy where Satan and all other evil spirits or human agency cannot interfere. I ask, Father, that you would block, bind, rebuke, and render impotent any assault of the evil one from them in any way. Father, so long as these instruments are utilized in this ministry of divine mercy, we ask you to allow them to enjoy the protection of the Blessed Mother, St. Michael the Archangel, and all the holy angels. We ask this in your most holy name, the name before which every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And may God extend his blessing upon you and I as we seek holiness in our life to come to a fullness. May our, heart, may our hearts uh, be truly known by him and by us 
so that we can grow in true humility, that we can confess our sins, be forgiven, and live in the full freedom of the children of God whom, in which he intends. May God bless us and keep us. May the angels and the blessed mother wrap their protection around us each and every day.